You're listening to Perfectly Normal. This is a podcast where I bring you love, courage, and connection. I'm your host, Michelle Quay. I'm a confidence and leadership coach, where I work with negative self-talkers to get them to believe in the talent that they have and reaching their full potential in both personal and professional life. I'm the founder of Elevate Life Coaching. It's a coaching and seminar company. Welcome to the show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Perfectly Normal. Happy New Year, first of all. But then I have a breaking news. So on New Year's Day, I lost my seventeen-year-old、um, cat. His name was Buster. And Buster had lived with me for the last sixteen years. My sister and I adopted him、um, when he was still a baby. We one day we woke up and we decided that we were gonna go to the animal shelter and rescue a cat. So growing up, I always had a dog in my life. Dogs are always around. They're wagging their tails. You know, they chase you.、Um, dogs. Are really、um, loyal to the family, and I like and I enjoy growing up with dogs. But so, cat is my Buster was my first cat in my whole life. Initially, it was my sister's idea, and she wanted the cat, and so we went and we rescued him from the shelter. And my sister decided that she was going to go away. For school, so she moved down to San Diego, and she left her cat with me. So I became the、um, pretty much the sole parent for my cat, Buster. And so Buster kind of just follow me around. You know, I feed him, I play with him. His favorite toy, believe it or not, it's actually not those、um, fancy cat toy. It's just a plastic bag. I tie it up, tie it up in a knot, and I throw it, and he would go chase it for. Hours,、um, I suppose you know it, he really enjoyed listening to the sound, the plastic sound when you rub it against each other, and there's like friction.、Um, he loved that sound, so I just throw tie a knot, you know, with the plastic bag and throw it at him, and he can play for hours. The other thing he loved to play is my my、um, my hair scrunches. So sometimes you know I throw one at him, and he would go chase it for hours, and that's how I keep him busy. Um, from time to time,、um, he also loved chasing the、uh, red dot.、Um, so I did get one of those laser pen. And sometimes when he is really acting up at night, I would let, let him chase the red dot. And after a while, he get really tired. It wear him out, and he would go back to sleep. So that's how that's how we play with each other. And most of the time,、um, he's an indoor cat, so he doesn't go out anywhere. He's pretty much homebound the whole entire time.、Um, he did never went outside. Well, he did once. I almost lost him. I was so angry because、um, it was actually the、uh, lunar year. One year we were celebrating lunar year, and my uncle, my aunt, came came over to visit us, and somehow he got out from the back door. 
And I came home. I remember I was so upset. I was, I was, I, I asked everybody to get up from their seat, and I we start looking for a cat. And that was back when he was only um, maybe a, one year or two years old. So, as you can imagine, he was very important to me. He was he played a big role in my. Um, journey as I was struggling with some emotional and mental challenges, um, where I felt like there's days where I wake up, there's nothing important to me, and I would just start crying. And he was really my go-to companion at the time. He brought a lot of happiness. He brought a lot of joy. And the most, my favorite thing about him is I love to watch him sleep. Um, for some reason, watching him sleep just give me a lot of um, calm and, and and enjoyment. I love that cat so much. So when he got sick earlier in 2020, I first started notice that he was sneezing a lot, and he was um, there's actually some blood that was coming out from the sneeze. So I was really concerned. And that was the first time I brought him to see the vet. Well, you know, I brought him in the past, but that was really alarming. So I brought him to see the vet just to do a full checkup on him. So the vet did some x-rays and they concluded that, you know, there's some hyperthyroidism that was uh, going on with him. And they also noted from the x-ray that there's some uh, liver enlargement. So it, the liver appear a little larger. Um, so the vet actually asked me, do you want to, you know, maybe do some biopsy on him? Do you want to find out what it is? You know, and then I started to be really concerning because, you know, the more tests that you do on animal, animal are not people. And when you, you know, despite the fact that you, you treat them as family, but animal are not people and they can't tell you whether or not, you know, these, as you put them through these tests, how they feel about it, you know, for someone who's a human, we have, we're verbally communicating, you know, our discomfort to you, you have a clear sense of whether or not this is something that they want, something that they, they feel pain, animal, they can communicate with you in, in the verbal sense. So all they do is there's that natural response of how animal respond to pain, to, to discomfort. So I thought about, well, you know, at this point, he's, like in his 80s and do I if I, I if I was a cat do I want to experience that pain or that suffering that discomfort of someone putting me under anesthesia and and doing a biopsy on me just so that my human can have answers and personally and and I believe you 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 are entitled to how you believe in um, how you want to take care of your animal, but personally, I don't believe that this is something that is in the best interest of the cat or at least for Buster. So I chose not to have answers just because I wanted it. Um, so we didn't do the biopsy, and of course. Um, we started to treat him with hyperthyroidism. So every morning I would give him meds and it wasn't, the condition wasn't improving. 
So I kind of had a feeling that there was something else, something deeper that was going on with him. So, and I could see that. I could see how he's getting more tired. He's aging, and you can tell that he's aging, and he starts to lose some weight.、Um, by the time towards the end of the、uh, 2020 in November, December, I noticed he is really sleeping a lot, and he has lost a lot of weight. And I had a feeling that you know he's moving towards the end of his life. It really didn't occur to me until the day of when I brought him to see the vet again because、um, when he sneezes, you know it's it's really just blood. It's not you know the sneeze. It's not with tint of red. It was red. So I brought him to the vet. And the vet did an ultrasound, and what the vet saw was the, the gut lining, intestine lining. He noticed there's a lot of lumps.、Um, the lumps, the cancer has spread, and it was to the point where on New Year's Eve,、um, the vet couldn't do anything surgically or、uh, to to treat. With any pharmaceutical intervention at all,、um, at this point, Buster was seventeen years old, and that's a really good age for a cat. Most cat, on average, will only live up to、um, maybe fourteen years if they're indoor cat.、Um, some some of them actually, unfortunately, if they're outdoor cats,、uh, accident happen. They may not even live that long. So for for a cat to live up to seventeen years, it's actually very very good.、Um, so I brought him home on New Year's Eve, and he was, of course, not himself. So he slept most of the time. He was very weak.、Um, Sometimes he get up to his sandbox and he can't even make it. So on New Year's Day. Um, he was to the point where he was, you know,、uh, what a what a what an animal animal would do when they t- are moving towards the end of life is they start seeking solitude. They don't want to be bothered, and most of the time they just want to lay there. They're not eating. They're not drinking. They have no interest of playing with you anymore. And、uh, just watching him, it was very difficult to. To see this is what happened,、um, because he's always been very active. He's jump on my table, my my desk all the time when I'm having meeting, especially during pandemic when we were all meeting online. He would join me on the meeting every once once in a while as I'm interviewing guests on my for my pod for my uh a video cast on Facebook, or he would just. Sleep next to me as I'm doing my work. So he's always been very active, and so to see him just laying there and not moving around, not drinking, not eating, it was tough for me. It was tough for me because it, at that point I was I, I needed to make a decision whether to keep him for another night, for another day or week, for the rest of the week, just so that I can see him. Or I have the option of putting him down. I chose the latter one to put him down on New Year's Day because, as he was laying there, I was thinking, if I were him, 
would I want to sleep like this, not being moving around, not able to go to the bathroom myself, and just laying around because my human want me to be here. And so I had that internal voice that, that we, I've been telling, telling you about, right? We all have that internal voice. So that internal voice came on. And one of the questions that was asked many times by um, clients I work with and or just by friends interact with me about my coaching or inquiring about coaching, they, they, the question that it often is asked is how do you how do you know if this voice that you hear is your higher self? How do you know that is in the higher level of consciousness? So the answer to that question is every time you hear that voice, and that voice is not going to go away, um, despite the fact that we want to eliminate those uh, self-talk, it's not possible um, and there's a reason why we have these self-talk. The self-talk is really here to um, serve us in a number of different ways. So the way that you tell whether it's your higher self speaking or it's something out of, you know, that, that stop you from, from doing what you need to do is that you're going to have to ask yourself whether or not the voice that you hear is coming out of love or is it coming out of fear? So what was something that's coming out of fear sounds like? So I have a dying cat laying in front of me. A voice of fear would sound like, I don't want to lose him. We spend so many years together. I don't want to lose him. And what if I just keep him one more night? Maybe tomorrow he will just die in his sleep. Then that would be something that was meant to be, and I don't have to do anything about it. I can just watch him, and he'll be able to sleep there, and I would have my chance to, you know, still see him, even though he won't be able to do anything. He would just lay there. I don't want to lose him. So that would be a voice that's coming out of fear about losing, about scarcity, about things not having enough. Am I, do I have enough? Am I going to get more? Am I going to um, have to sacrifice something? So those are the voices generally that is coming out of fear. Anytime you hear those voice that is stopping you from doing something, it's because your voice is coming out of fear. And that fear generally comes from a lower level of consciousness. Um, it is our ego most of the time that's playing because we want to satisfy the need of our ego. And our ego will show up in three different ways, mostly. Um, it comes with the desire. It comes with the, um, the sense that we want to, to satisfy our own needs. Um, so every time you have those voices, ask yourself, is this voice more of a fear or is it coming out of love? Now, what is the voice of love? The voice of love would sound more like this. I had great years spending with him. We were there all together. 
we play together and he sleep with me at night, you know, on those very lonely nights, sometimes he would jump on my bed and he would cuddle with me. He looked for my companionship and I looked for his. We had some really good time together. And now he is suffering. He is not very comfortable. And what do I want to do for him that is best fit for him? Not for me, but for him, for his interest. What is the best interest for him? Does he rather to be moving around and to be able to use the sandbox on his own? Or does he rather sleep there and lay there and make him dirty, dirty bed and, and you know, going uh, soil in that in her own basket what feels more right and that is typically the voice coming out of love you understand the abundance of the joy that one has brought to you and you know that even though they are gone they're not really gone so it's coming out from a, a mindset of abundance you have more than in more than what you needed and here you are are you doing things in the best interest of them rather than best interest of yourself so that's how you typically tell um, when you have those self talk where is it coming from and how is it showing up? Is it showing up as your um, higher self or is it coming from a voice of ego, a voice of that, that scarcity mindset? So as I was there watching him on New Year's Day, that was the voice that came on. So I started to pause for a minute and I asked myself, is this the voice of fear or is this the voice of love? And <clears throat> It was rather difficult to to bring him in um, because I wasn't sure if this is the right decision to put him down. I was still debating. I was still doubting myself. And then finally, when I got there outside of the animal hospital, I saw him just laying there. And then he peed in his bed. He, he made his bed dirty. And... At that moment, I thought, yeah, it is time. And I think he knows it too. So he was extra quiet. And most of the time when he, he didn't even raise his head, he was so weak that he couldn't raise his head. Usually when he sees me, he perks up. Like even when he was laying there, every time I walk in to check on him, he perks up and he will purr. That's how I could tell he was content. He was happy. He had a good life. Um, so that was New Year's Day. I put my 17-year-old cat down. It was tough. It is still tough. Um, I remember I, I came home. I was crying. It was just very painful. And this is part of the grieving process. Um, everything got pushed back. My, I started a five-day five challenge, which got delayed um, because I needed the time to grieve. 
And I remember, you know, intentionally, I had a, I had, before before this whole thing happened, I had a calendar full of things I wanted to talk about on New Year's Day, the, the things I want to um, share with all of you on podcasts, on videos, and and suddenly it came to a full stop, and I didn't know what to do. And that voice came on again. So that voice was, <clears throat> again, you know, you have to decide whether this is the voice of fear or this is the voice of love. Um, that voice came on and that voice was telling me that I needed to drop everything else and give myself the permission to grieve. And I think grieving is a big lesson that everyone has to learn some point in their life. And there is no easy way to grieve. Um, I think one of the one of my posts um, that I had shared, and someone had made a comment about, oh, you know, I'm sorry to hear your loss, but I hope that you overcome it. So the idea of grieving is that you don't overcome it. You will never overcome the loss of someone that you love. You don't ever overcome that. And, and it's difficult, right? So you might even feel angry when someone tells you to, oh, you got to overcome the lost or you got to overcome the relationship that didn't work out. The word overcome, it means that you, you just kind of skip to it. And anytime you skip to something, um, some people call it gaslighting, right? You was bypassing what is really truly important to you at that moment of time. So instead of bypassing it, what do you do? You embrace it. If you're going to cry, you cry. Um, if you feel sad that you need to moan, you need to, you need to spend time with anything that would remind you of the time that you had spent together, you do that. If you need to hold on to maybe a piece of garment or a piece of, um, I held on to his collar. So I was carrying the collar around with me for those two days because that was my way of grieving. I needed those times to grieve. So you're not bypassing any emotion or any mental um obstacle that show up, these are the moment that is needed in order to move through these experiences. And you as you as you move through those experiences, you learn something from it. And I believe, I truly believe that you know the last lessons, Buster has, has shared so many, had taught me so many lessons. Number one, how to raise a cat. You know, cats are not very, not the same as dogs. They're less dependent. And there are some um, things that cats, cat they do and, and uh, dogs, they don't. So number one, he taught me how to raise a cat. He also taught me how to love unconditionally. Um, there are days where, you know, I'm human. I don't want to cuddle you. I don't want to spend time to play with you. So I don't want you to be around. And, and, but he continued to love me regardless. So he taught me how to love unconditionally. And I think, you know, I truly believe that the last lessons that he was teaching me is how to grieve. How do you grieve your loss? 
um, especially to someone, someone you loved or someone you spent a lot of time with? How do you grieve through that process? That was the last lessons that he had taught me. So, you know, today I know I spend most of the time talking about the loss of my cat because he was very important to me. Um, initially, I had something else planned for this episode, but um, this is all part of my grieving process. And I thought you might be wanting to hear, especially, you know, 2020, we had experienced a lot of loss. For some people, it's more um, tragic. It's the loss of someone that they love. Um, other tragic, other other loss would be, you know, maybe someone had lost their job. And yes, you know, it's not equally important, you know, life versus a position, life versus a, you know, a title. But it is regardless of what type of, you know, what type of name that you want to give it to. It's still a type of loss. You lost something that was important to you. You lost something that you love. You lost something that you enjoy. Um, and anytime that you have lost, there is that moment of grief. So how do you grieve? You take your time and really embracing every moment, whether it's sadness, whether it's that feeling of hurt, because at the end of that hurt, you'll learn something more, even more valuable about yourself, about the person that you have lost, or about the, the, your loved one that you have lost, um, whether it's for a baby or people. You learn something about that whole experience. What, did, what kind of legacy did that person leave? Or what kind of legacy did your fur baby left you? And those are the important memories to hold on to as you move forward. You don't overcome it, but you do carry the love that they left behind in moving forward. So I hope this episode helped. I know it's a little heavier than usual. But it is perfectly normal that we experience life, we experience death, and in between everything else, there's that journey that we're all traveling on. So it was part of my journey on New Year's Day and my, my um, grieving experience from New Year's Day while everyone else is celebrating um, with joy, with happiness. I had to learn about grief. And yeah. I would always remember him. He's not replaceable. Um, someone else had made a comment about, well, I'm sure you're actively looking for another cat. Well, it's 17 years of love, attention, and just spending time together. I think it's going to take me some time before I look for the next one. All right. So happy new year. Enjoy your new year. And I will see you back on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening. In order for this conversation to continue, I would like to invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Confidence Lab for Remarkably Courageous People. This is where we can continue this conversation to bring more love, courage, and connection in helping each other and supporting each other in moving forward in our lives. If you found value in this show, I would appreciate if you can give me a rating on iTunes or Spotify. We'll simply share this show with a friend who may benefit from hearing it. 
This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to learn more about what I do as a coach, please visit my website at elevatelifecoaching.org or shoot me an email. See you on the next show.